Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So, Tanya, we've been calling the bipartisan infrastructure framework the BIF, the BIF acronym, but now it's officially signed into law, so it's the bipartisan infrastructure law or bill if you go by the acronym which now i'm just really confused (laughs) it's confusing right so confusing (laughs) now that it is no longer a bill it's a law we're calling it the bill i'm jeremy siegel this is politico dispatch and it is confusing but the bif is now the bil and today we are talking about it tanya snyder on what is and what isn't the new bipartisan infrastructure law So the bipartisan infrastructure thingy um, is no longer uh, just a thingy. It's much more than a thingy. It's it's lots of real world money. Um, President Biden signed it into law yesterday on Monday. You've done some great reporting on what is and is not in this bill. And there is a lot of is nots um, and what it all means for us, which we'll link to in our show notes. Let's start with what is in this bill. Five hundred fifty billion dollars in new money for a bunch of stuff, including the thing politicians love to talk about all the time, roads and bridges. Um, What does this bill do for our nation's roads and bridges? Well, uh, one of the most transformative parts of it is about $40 billion in a grant program to repair and replace bridges that that are in need of repair and replacement. And there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're considered structurally deficient or functionally obsolete. Those are two terms that are used that describe bridges that really need to go. And that is something that has been a problem for a long time that infrastructure experts and transportation officials have been worried about for a long time. That is a significant safety issue. And there just hasn't been the political will to devote the kind of money that's been needed to make those kinds of changes. So that's a big difference. There's also just a lot of money without a lot of strings attached for roads. And that's one of the things that is both what's in the bill and what's not in the bill. Because the strings attached to that money or requirements telling states like, here's some money for roads, but for example, please don't build new roads until we know that you're taking care of the roads that you already have. Or please don't build new roads if they're going to lead to um, more driving, more vehicle miles traveled, more carbon emissions specifically. Um, and those requirements are not in this bill. So there's a lot of money for road building, which could end up running counter to some of the most important goals of the Biden administration, which is to combat climate change. Interesting. I want to talk more about that and some of the stuff that in some people's eyes might be missing from this bill. But first, let's stick with what it actually does do. Um, We all know President Biden loves trains um, and that that was a big part of this proposal. What does this new bipartisan law actually do for trains, for, you know, things like Amtrak, high speed rail? What 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 funding and projects are there? Yeah, there's orders of magnitude more money for passenger rail than we've ever had. Um, The last 
transportation bill that we had had about $10 billion over five years for rail. And this has $66 billion in new money for passenger rail, mostly Amtrak. So that is potentially transformative, but there's also just so much pending maintenance work, new trains, better upholstery on the seats, some new technology at the stations, and then some of the track infrastructure that needs to be uh, upgraded. A lot of that money is going to be used for, for those sorts of changes at the margins such that rail advocates that I've talked to are not expecting that that money is going to lead to actual new train service in places that haven't had it. So some advocates are not totally happy with the amount of money that trains are getting. Um, You mentioned that the roads and bridges part of this package uh, kind of falls short on the climate goals that President Biden had. I mean, at the end of the day, what is missing from this bill when it comes to President Biden's priorities and how significant is what's missing compared to what's in it, especially when you think about the stuff beyond just like transportation infrastructure in the new law, like expanding broadband access for millions of people? That's a really good question about the relative significance. And I think that there are a lot of different ways to look at it. And I think that on different days, I look at it differently, too. Um, it is an incredible investment. And it is a historic amount of money and can get this country from a state where so much of our infrastructure, our our power lines, our roads, our transit systems, just do not reflect the sort of country that we want to be and the and the wealth that this country has. And so I think that it can be a a real transformation in terms of bringing that infrastructure up to a state of good repair if invested well. But I think that what it won't necessarily do is like I said it dramatically expand some of the connections that we have, especially for for expensive infrastructure like heavy rail. And because it was negotiated on a bipartisan basis in the Senate, it really doesn't have the sorts of climate focus and equity focus that were in the um, Democrats' bill in the House and that were in Biden's proposal this past spring. And so one of the really good examples of that is the Reconnecting Communities Program. This is something that hasn't really been talked about before, a way of addressing the past wrongs done by, for example, highways that bulldoze through communities of color. A lot of this happened um, in the 60s. And a lot of these low-income communities, communities of color, were just devastated by these highways. Some of them were just obliterated off the map. And some of them have had these these barriers running through them that cut people off from job opportunities, that cut people off from uh, other services and amenities, and cut people off from each other. And that's something that the Biden administration really wanted to take a swing at. And they wanted about $20 billion for it, and they got $1 billion for it. Hmm. Um, and that is not enough to uh, even make a dent in the need. 
So there is a lot of stuff that didn't make it into this bill that Biden, that Democrats might have wanted. But this isn't the end of all things infrastructure. There's this huge other package, the massive Democratic priority spending bill that Democrats hope to pass along party lines. Is there anything that like didn't make it into this bill that's now law, the bipartisan infrastructure law? Is there anything that didn't make it into that that Democrats are like trying to make up for in the reconciliation package? Yeah, there's about $10 billion for transit, uh, specifically for low-income communities in the reconciliation bill that Democrats are hoping to get through. Um, there's another $10 billion for rail, uh, specifically targeted for planning high-speed rail projects. And um, there's some more money for reconnecting communities, as we had talked about. And then there's money for electric vehicles also. The infrastructure bill has $7.5 billion for building uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure around the country. And then the other half of that is in the reconciliation bill, which is actually purchase incentives, tax credits for people who want to buy electric vehicles, which are still quite a bit more expensive. The the sticker price on an electric vehicle is still quite a bit higher than a traditional internal combustion engine vehicle. And so these tax credits try to kind of level that out to help people kind of cover that difference to make electric vehicles more accessible to people. So we could end up with a lot of charging infrastructure, but not actually if the reconciliation bill doesn't pass, not actually these incentives that make it easier for people to buy those cars that would then need to be charged. Tanya Snyder, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks so much. Also today, The Congressional Budget Office expects to release a score for President Biden's social spending package by the end of the week. Speaking during an event hosted by Yahoo Finance and the Bipartisan Policy Center on Monday, the CBO's director said, quote, certainly by the end of Friday, we'll have the entire estimate. The figure is critical for House Democrats who want to advance the measure this week because a number of moderates have demanded to see the final price tag before voting on the bill. The agency has already released scores for various chunks of the package, publishing estimates for provisions including oversight and reform, transportation and infrastructure, science, space and technology, homeland security, small business and veterans affairs. And Florida is moving ahead with a rule banning school mask mandates and quarantine requirements. The state's Department of Health has scheduled a hearing to finalize the emergency measure that stripped school districts of the power to require face masks and abolished quarantines. The rule survived a legal challenge earlier this month from a group of six school boards that were under fire from the DeSantis administration over their stringent COVID policies. The school boards are appealing the court loss. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.